Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Jazz Mostert, and you're listening it to... Is, look, it's Inside great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead, you could say. It's just it's, they're just... There's, <laughs> Good racing, and I enjoy it. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to Inside Supercars as we wrap up the 2016 season with Tom Worsley from Tom Worsley Media. Good evening, Tom. Good evening. And from Race Facts and Auto Facts, it's Tony Whitlock. Good evening, Tony. Good evening, Craig. Tom. What a year it's been. Shane Van Gisberg and Tony taking out the championship, which I think was always expected to be in his possession at some stage during his career. Oh, yeah. Look, I think he's been the, the man next to, the most likely to for, for some years. He was from uh, when he was uh, picked up by the Stones and put in the Team Kiwi car a few years ago. To- Tom... The Giz, he certainly is a racer's racer, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. It's the fact that he's on a plane right now heading to Malaysia, it just validates that he he's all about racing. It's, it's not about um, necessarily winning one thing. It's just any time he can get his backside into a race car, it's, that's what he does. And uh, I think... The comment that I love from the, the press release that was issued last year in March saying Triple Eight is my best chance of winning a championship and to win it his first year there, I think, just sums it up perfectly. It's been interesting, the uh, championship, not only for Shane Van Gisbergen, but for an engineer that's uh, done the hard slog, Grant McPherson. Tony, he's uh, certainly got it all together this year and driver and engineer is such a critical part of any race team and any good performance. I think uh, I'm correct in saying that uh, Shane has done one more round in the old parlance of V8 supercars, one more round than uh, when uh, McPherson or Shippy, as he's known, when he joined the series. Mm. Um, and so they have a, a similar history um, and obviously they blended together well this year quite extraordinarily. One of the things about Shane, of course, is that he's carved from the same piece of wood that Jim Richard is from. Um, And that is that they can have a race. They don't have to win it to enjoy it. It's not about winning. It's about competing. And both you you guys would have seen the number of times, you know, the classic one was in Adelaide where he gave back a position to James Courtney because he thought he should. And, of course, the reality was he hadn't actually unfairly turned James around, got out of the car, and he was just beating. He didn't win it. We think back about that amazing race at the Gold Coast some years ago between Jamie and Shane when he was still in the Stone Brothers car. It was one of the most extraordinary races. It's still YouTube today. And he is one of... And, look, I think Shane would be in the top ten world drivers, not touring car drivers, world drivers. You know, the fact he went to Belgium far and took pole position on the Thursday against the best GT drivers in the world. I mean, just an extraordinary thing. Indeed it was. And, uh, well, we could talk about 
Shane, for the entire evening, but we won't because there's plenty more to speak about. And Jamie Winkup, well, he's he's a consummate professional, Tom, but you could tell it was hurting to be beaten by his teammate. And it's the first time that he's lost a championship to a teammate. He's, he's never had to look across the garage and see a number one on on his teammate's car. Obviously, Craig Lowndes has put the challenge up a couple of years um, and finished second to him, I think, on three occasions. And but this time, you could see from about the mid mid part of the season that um, that Jamie was in a tight battle, and I think he was a bit nervous from about Darwin onwards. Tony, it was a, a fascinating battle between the two. Yeah, and look, one of the extraordinary things is that Red Bull, and because of those two boys in the AAA cars, have finished 47% more points than the second-place team, that being HRT. It's an enormous gap, 2,000-point gap, you know, um, there hasn't sort of been that big a gap. And that's a measure of the fact that they had two drivers that Roland had set out to in, in going to a third car, not losing Craig, because Craig is obviously still a highly talented driver, maybe just lost a little bit of his edge in recent times. But these two boys and the other two Red Bull cars, or the two Triple Eight cars, are an extraordinary pairing. Mm, they are indeed. And it's going to be interesting to see how the battle and the rivalry continues over the next, uh, well, at least the next two years, as uh, I think that's their contracted uh, period currently. But it'd be very hard to think that both those drivers don't front up at the front of expectations next year, Tom. I think the the consistency between the two of them that we've seen this year, um, you know, there's your one and two is for the championship next year. It'll be interesting to see who else is in the mix to rival them. I mean, obviously there's uh, there's been moments of of consistency from other guys, but over the course of the season, it was really uh, the two Red Bull cars and and probably the the next most consistent was was Craig Lowndes or, or Scott McLaughlin. And given that McLaughlin's going to New Pastures next year, it'll be interesting to see how quickly he adapts and, and whether he can take it to Red Bull guys. Mm. Well, we'll take a break and we'll come back to talk about Scotty and maybe more than one Scotty in our conversation still on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to uh, um, take the win off him. So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars as we wrap up 2016 with Tom Worsley and also Tony Whitlock. Tony, Scott McLaughlin, another young driver who's... Uh, now making the move after a third-place finish in the championship to DGR Team Penske. It's a, uh, 
a very interesting time for this young driver, but no one would ever say that he didn't take the fight right up to the end in his final races with Gary Rogers well, Motorsport. Quite apart from the Triple Eight cars, a high point for me was seeing one Scotty taking uh, that third uh, in the championship. I thought that was fantastic. Um, you know, putting the, the car on his shoulders is undoubtedly has had to do at times. Uh, Richard Holway is a very clever engineer. Uh, I bet Scotty would love to be taking him to Penske's with him, but unlikely to happen. Um, I think that Scott uh, is going to give Fabian a very big fright. Scotty Pye is a competent driver, but he's uh, in, not in the same league as McLaughlin. Um, Pye will, uh, yeah, should go okay at HRC. He's obviously uh, uh, being uh, taken on board at a far lesser price than Garth is wanting. Um, but McLaughlin um, should should go well there, DJ. I think Penske have actually been a great disappointment for me this year. Um, they just haven't haven't fired up really on on many occasions. Fabian has been a, a you know a fair sized disappointment. They should have been going far better at this time. Um, whether they will now is Ludo as well as Phil Keed and Adam Gabore adding their engineering staff. But you know with those two guys on board, McLaughlin and Coulthard, it, um, they should actually be a lot higher in the championship. Mm. Tom, your thoughts on McLaughlin? I, I think I'm going to have to echo um, echo Tony on that one. Is is just the fact that there's been the uncertainty about um, what's going on with the team next year. There would have had to have been some uh, effect within the team, and for McLaughlin to go, okay, yes, I'm leaving, but I need to perform here, and in the back half of the year to pick up, uh, you know. Uh, what was it, four podiums and, and finish in the top ten from Surface Paradise onwards. It just shows the, the talent that he's got and also that the battle that he had with Lowndes for the final, uh, sorry, for third in the championship, it's, it's uh, no secret he's got talent. Mm. Tony... With Craig Lowndes finishing fourth place, do we read anything into his future with that uh, performance? He was there or thereabouts for most of the season. In fact, at the beginning of the season, he was a, a lot higher and a lot closer to um, both the Giz and Jamie. But then it just fell away. It seemed to fall away around the uh, Pertec Cup time. Yeah, look, I, I don't think there's anything significant. I mean, I think it's more others have lifted their game, he hasn't maintained it. Um, certainly the other two in the garage there have spurred each other on. Um, look, interesting, when you look at the list of the, you know, the top ten, um, certainly Will Davison in a new team, um, they haven't got all the resources as those teams that are above them. Um, and they, Techno, have done extremely well to so have a fifth place again in the, being in the top five, as Shane did last year in second. Um, but so, you know, Craig is well up there. Um, you know, disappointment was uh, PRA. Um, I think Chaz has lost. Uh, he hasn't had his race, hasn't been race toughened. He's just, he's had poles, he's had what, five or six of them. Um, been fast, but not race tough, I think. You know, he, he seems to have suffered from his crash and not quite come back the same hard man. 
Tim Quaid, obviously, um, he'll probably benefit from having um, um, Mick Perkett beside him, two young charges, and I think that works well. Um, but Craig, um, you know, I, I think he's almost in a sort of a holding pattern. He'll sort of hover around that top five for another year or two, and then he'll just decide that, you know, he's had enough. Mm. It's going to be interesting to see how that does all play out. We'll take another break here on Inside Supercars and, uh, well, we'll have a look at some of the big winners and losers of 2016. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian Times this week, been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Uh, when you talk winners and losers, you can really be uh, just focused in on the racetrack, but there are so many other aspects. Techno Autosports, they are losing sponsors. They're losing some key personnel, Tony. Is that going to have a significant impact on their championship aspirations for Will Davison? I think it will. I think it will. Um, um, we'll obviously have to see as, as to who's going to join as a race engineer on 19, but um, um, one of their strengths has been an engineer who can not only get the car up to speed, but also um, get the car through strategy um, near the top of the, the, the table. So we'll have to we'll wait and see who's going to join there. Mm. There are certainly bikes around. I mean, Blake Smith used to work with Techno, and he's uh, he's in Sydney. Now maybe they'll cope with having a fly-in. Mm. Um, certain teams um, just wanted him to move from Melbourne. He didn't want to. Um, so there are people around, skilled people, who work both locally and internationally on top teams. So it's just going to be a case of uh, who can be uh, convinced to join them. And obviously then you've, you've got to allow some time for, for that relationship to, to gel. I, I don't think the relationship between Will and, and uh, Jeff Slater developed all that quickly, but once it did click, they got some, some decent results in the, in the middle of the year. Yeah, well, they certainly won Bathurst, which was uh, a feather in both their caps. It is going to be interesting to see how that one pans out. I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Tom, on Triple Eight losing Ludo, how big of an impact is that going to be? Is it going to be an impact in 2017 or potentially 2018? I think it's going to be an impact for probably more so 2018 than 2017 because I don't think you're going to see a huge amount of development in the in the current spec Commodore with a new one coming the year after. What it probably will have a flow-on effect is now that Triple Eight is going to be homologating the new Commodore, I think it, it may actually hurt the rest of the Holdens in the field. I'm of a view that it, it can maybe not have as big an impact as he, Ludo, had in the past at Triple Eight. 
I'm certain there'll be a new car, and there'll be new engineering, and you know, Ludo is far less involved as a race engineer. And, you know, I mean, obviously he stepped up the plate this year with Craig, but um, I would think that uh, you know he's certainly in the top ten in the world in terms of touring cars. I mean, the, the Audi he did, and the DTM, and um, uh, Vauxhall, the British touring cars some years back, and obviously the Triple Eight cars. They've all been very successful cars. Don't get me wrong, I'm not one second thinking Luda's lost his skill, but I just think that there are others who have picked up um, in locally here. Because there's been somebody like Luda there competing here, so they've got to actually improve their skills. Mm. It, that one will be an interesting one. Now, HRT, as you rightly said earlier in the show, is the second in the team's championship. But would you say Garth Tander is a winner or loser when he bobs up at Gary Rogers Motorsport? Well, um, I, you know, my own view is that Garth showed well and truly that uh, he is far from the spec course. He's been for 10 years, at least 10 years, um, in the top um, top five competitors, uh, you know, as you the person you would want hauling up in your vision mirror, Garth is one of those five that w- you would not want there. Uh, and the simple reason is he is a racer and uh, not a dirty racer at all. I mean, it was an unfortunate one at Bathurst. You know, three different people all jigged and jagged at the wrong time. But, you know, he clearly... Um, has benefited enormously from getting a new car while HRT were almost denying, oh, we don't need one. He, he has shown from the moment he got that at Eastern Creek, he has been, you know, on fire, so to speak. You know, winning the sand down and then the other great results, including a double podium and a pole position at uh, Homebush was an extraordinary good thing. And I, I couldn't have been more pleased for Garth to have, him to have shown that maybe the team made the wrong mistake. You know, and he made a major mistake in doing that. And particularly, he showed as he, he talked about uh, that's not a bad audition tape, is it, for next year? Mm, indeed. Tom, uh, Walkinshaw performance where he's leaving, they've obviously lost HRT, so where are they in the winners and losers? They're going to be starting a lot further up the pit lane because of their second in the team's championship. Um, I think from that point of view, they're, they're a winner, but you have to you have to say that they're probably the one of the bigger losers of the field because they have lost a significant sponsor in Holden for next year. Hmm. What about Tom Jason Bright? He's going over to Pro Drive Racing Australia. Is that a win or a loss? Um, I you'd have to say it's. It's on the fence, I'd say. It, it, he's had a solid car underneath him at um, Brad Jones Racing in the last couple of years and hasn't really performed the last two. Um, Pro Drive, if it is on spec with Winchbottom and, and Mostert's cars, it, it's a win. Um, to not have any commercial pressures on him in terms of having to source his own sponsor for next year, that's a win. Um, but on the flip side, I'd say the, the biggest loser of the field would, would be the man he's replacing in, Chris Pepper. Mm, OK. David Reynolds, Tony, what do you think? Uh, got a podium for Erebus at the end of the season after they made 
a bunch of, well, I won't say radical, but they made a number of major changes in their structure. Does he go into 2017? Dale would beside him in a much stronger position? I think so, yeah. Um, it took a while for them to all gel together. Um, I'm sure that you would have been like mine, saying that you know Davey has not lost his skill. The team, unfortunately, made a number of errors during the year, strategic and and, uh, and tactical errors, um, simple administration errors, costing uh, places, grid places and things like that. Um, so they actually showed the speed, which Davey had all through uh, Homebush weekend. Um, he qualified second or third on Saturday, but, of course, was a rear of grid because of a, a mistake made in um, leaving Park Fermate. Mm. which is, you know, I mean, those are sort of errors that shouldn't happen at this level of the sport. I mean, some years back you'd read through the stewards' reports and you keep on seeing all these teams that <coughs> would get fines for not attending team managers' meetings and these sort of silly mistakes, you know, that just shouldn't happen in professional motorsport. You shouldn't be being pinged for speeding in pit lane. That's money and that's losing, you know, so anyway, Dave Reynolds and Erebus, I think that they will keep on improving and I, I would suggest that they will be, by the end of um, 2017, be a regular visitor to the top ten and, and the odd podium or two. All right, Tony and Tom, we'll take a break and be back with more here on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Tom Worsley here with me, Craig Ravel, as we wrap up 2016. And I would like to take a little bit of time to talk about the awards ceremony. Tony, uh, Barry Sheen medal going to Scott McLaughlin. Um, The criteria is quite a detailed one, so I'm not going to try and explain it here, but it does take in more into account than just your performance on track. It it takes into account uh, a whole range of uh, personal characteristics as well as professional uh, conduct. I I don't think it actually has as one of the categories, but likability. But obviously, Scotty wins big in that particular You know, he he has likability about him. You know, he's he's a fierce competitor, but at the same time, it's not at all costs. And uh, he's a very fitting, again, back-to-back Barry Sheen medals for Scotty. Um, and and that fits within the uh, premise of what DJR would like to have and Penske would like to have in their garage, somebody who works well with crews and has people that want to work with him as, as such. So, very fitting one. Mm. Um, it, uh, uh, another very good award was uh, Cam Waters picking up the uh, Mike Cable Award. I think that was uh, an excellent uh, thing. that He's had a very tough year, as, as everyone knows. 
you know, you can't just win the championship Dunlop series and then jump across and you'll be instantly right in the top five. Um, Cam had that big introduction. You know, every every senior driver out there sort of saying, oh, hello, Cam, here you are. Here's an elbow, here's a bumper. Um, but, you know, he's clearly a, a fast young driver who will, uh, at some stage, I would think, if not win the championship, be very close to winning it. Mm. You have to agree that, that Scott McLaughlin was well-deserving of of that uh, of the Barry Sheen medal, and as for for Cam Waters, um, yeah, it's I I thought that he was um, I expected a bit more from him this year, but like Tony said, everyone gave him a, a good rub up through the year, and he probably did have a bit of misfortune along the way. The interesting award for me last night was Van Gisbergen winning the Drivers' Driver Award because there's one. Uh, one thing that he would not have been voted for in previous years, it, it used to be, I oh, know Shane's coming and, and he'll push me out of the way, whereas now he's, he's got the respect of his peers and, and they all enjoy racing him. Mm. Well, two blokes that many thought might not be in the same room together, let alone sharing a stage. Ross and Jimmy Stone were entered into the Hall of Fame, Tony. Yeah, fantastically. And, you know, the, the list of uh, their successes is enormous um, it, uh, it's great to see that they're acknowledged that way, I don't know, uh, I haven't looked through the list but there can't be many team owners in that uh, Hall of Fame and they certainly deserve it uh, interestingly of course they have different skill sets and fill different functions in the team that was SBR um, and you know as, as much as uh, they don't have the uh, depth of introducing young drivers, rookies. They certainly bring in drivers who go on to win championships. You know, certainly with uh, Marcus Ambrose and uh, Shane as, as just two of their drivers, um, clearly they uh, they recognise and able to uh, get those drivers in power to them. Mm. Uh, they did introduce a lot of drivers, just they didn't have the success of the two you mentioned. Yeah. Yep. And... And we should also uh, congratulate Gary Jacobson, uh, Tony. Uh, uh, there's another driver's driver. He'll be running in the uh, sprint cars and then speedway over the winter, uh, over the summer months, and of course winning the Dunlop series in the winter months. He's uh, certainly a guy who has overcome a uh, heck of a lot this year to be able to uh, get that victory over Jack LeBrock. Involved with Gary helping him a little bit, nothing major. Um, a little bit for some years back to the Formula Ford days. I was there with him uh, when he had his first win down to his plains. And certainly, he's a driver has worked very, very hard um, uh, in improving and, and getting rid of the mistakes he was making. Um, he, he cleaned his act up enormously from last year. This so that he is certainly a, a, a very worthy champion. And, and he had a, a very tough competitor in his teammate in uh, Jack LeBrock. Um, and I would suggest that both of them will be in the main game in a year or two um, and, and thoroughly deserving of a place there. Mm. And uh, Tom Jacobson was, uh, well, a, a very, very good winner. It went down to the last race and it also set up a Pro Drive 1 2, the first time that team, I believe, has had a 1 2 championship finish in their history uh absolutely and that's 
I think we've, we're at a point now in the Dunlop series where we've got the depth of talent again, like we had in the what I regard as the best year that in uh, 2012, where you had uh, Pi, McLaughlin, Perkett, and um, uh, I've had a, a brain fade on. There was that elite class of guys that came through at the same time, and I, I think next year we're going to have a, a very, very competitive year. You've got, obviously, LeBrock and, and Jacobson, if, if they're still in the series next year, uh, and also Hazelwood starting to perform consistently. I, I think it's going to be a, a battle of the the privateers and, and the, the pseudo-factory teams again. And, uh, well, I think uh, forward Hazelwood also showed some great speed at the end of the year, Tony. Yeah, um, I was just remembering, of course, that uh, both uh, Winterbottom and McLaughlin, two Dunlop winners, who uh, came through the SBR school as well, which was well-deserving uh, to have uh, learned from uh, Ross and Jimmy. Um, uh, can I just make a mention about something? There's a story that was posted this morning, and I'm, I suppose, angry is not like the word, but disappointed that Betty Clemenko has accused Chan Van Gisbergen of being sexist. And I don't believe for one second that Shane is sexist. Um, she is deluding herself to believe that because he wouldn't drive for her, that he was a chain would never have driven for a woman. I'm sure that if Leanna Crean or, or Jessica Yates or any other of the young women around the paddock had decided to start a team, that Shane may well have been interested in driving for him. It wasn't that he wouldn't drive for a woman. It was he didn't want to drive for Betty. He didn't want to drive specifically for that team that was going to be called Erebus um, and that she was running and managing. She is uh, quite vicious in the way in which she has attacked him and I find it very dis- uh, you know, disheartening. I mean, he's on a plane to Malaysia, so he had, hasn't had a chance to answer that, but um, I'm, I'm sure that he is not a sexist person that she has accused him of. It was a, a very but- interesting one, Tom. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, the timing of it's just a little bit too um, too interesting for my liking. It's you know, Shane Van Gisbergen wins the title and all of a sudden he's sexist. If she honestly thought that he was sexist, why not why not say it a couple of years ago? Um, and if you also look at the history of that team, there have been several other people who have been very keen to get out of there. Lee Holdsworth, Tim Slade, SP Tools, and just about every corporate partner they've ever had. Um, can I just add something? Um, last year at Highland Park, Becky complained to Tony Quinn because Shane and Garth wouldn't allow Becky to give him a kiss and a hug. He complained to Quinn that he, they were rude to her. Well, you know, I'm sorry, but just because you don't want, you know, they, you don't want to be kissed or hugged by Becky doesn't mean you're actually sexist and hate women. Um, you know, delusional woman, and um, she can keeps on getting oxygen that you know, shouldn't happen because she uh, is not deserving of it. Well, on that note, we'll take a break, and after that, a final thought or observation here on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question. Email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know.
know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Rapstone family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Tom Wardsley, who, what's your final thought or observation? I think the final thought is um, I think we're going to see a back-to-back champion next year. All right. Tony Whitlock, your thought or observation? I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised in the size if that was to occur, occur as well. Um, we we all know that uh, Jamie is not necessarily a poor loser. He's a fierce competitor. And um, uh, he is uh, he is in a class of his own because he already has six champions, which could be as many as seven or eight if things had gone a slightly different way. Um, and uh, he is somebody uh, that will push Shane all the way. The other thing I just wanted to say is I'd love to see where we were having more internationals, particularly at Bathurst. Uh, I'd love to see it get back to where it was a few years back. Obviously, you can't have the, the rule that was at Gold Coast where everyone had to have an international. But I'd like to see that back, getting some more internationals in the field, getting the, the, the whole race, getting far more coverage internationally. Well, my final thought or observation is that... I'm thinking 2017 is going to be the return of the oil wars. We already have Penrite on the Erebus car. We have Shell moving on to both of the Dick Johnson team Penske cars. Castrola been a long-time supporter of PRA. And just something tells me that Mobile could be stepping up at Walkinshaw Performance. Guys... Pleasure to have you on the show. Have a great Christmas and New Year and look forward to speaking to you again in 2017. Pleasure, Craig. Thanks, Craig, and uh, a productive off-season for everyone else. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. And time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device, search Inside Supercars.